This is the RJ Metrics Buddy Time Podcast. I'm your host, Bob Moore. Every episode of this podcast features another RJ Metrics team member sharing things you might not find out about them hanging around the water cooler. I want to extend a big thanks to Alex Klieger. His Softball Diaries podcast is awesome and is the inspiration for this one. And with all that said, let's meet this episode's buddy. Okay, here we are on the Buddy Time Podcast. My guest today, why don't you tell us who you are, how long you've been at RJ Metrics, and what your job is here. Sure. I'm Rohan Shaw. I've been at RJ Metrics for, I guess, maybe a little more than two years working, four years in the culture. Yeah. Um, and I'm a software engineer. Awesome. Uh, what's your typical day here like? What's it mean to be a software engineer? Uh, all right. So I guess probably like come in, code as much as I can before uh, anybody talks to me. Um, then stand-ups, meetings, kind of getting a picture of where we are, and then like lunch and then coding for the rest of the afternoon and then tapering off and like doing some easier code review yeah. uh, talking in the afternoon. Gotcha. Is yeah. the, uh, so it, it's, it goes, uh, maybe goes without saying, but I'll say it anyway. Your presence on this podcast has been one of the most requested and oh, really? uh, uh, anticipated of all time. Yeah, that's not and pressure. I, <laughs> not, not to apply any pressure. Um, <laughs> I am curious about, uh, you mentioned two years working at the company four years in the culture can you just tell me a little bit before we dive into like the specifics of of your work day and and your routines i yeah. guess your your relationship with the company and kind of the history of rohan at rj metrics yeah so i guess um 2012 i was uh graduating from college undergrad and uh i applied to both grad school and rj metrics mm-hmm. uh didn't think i would get a job got a job here um and definitely wanted to come work here. So started uh, 2012. Well, in 2012, what was the company like? What's your earliest memory? Yeah, it was, um, I remember coming in my first day, uh, nobody uh, was like anywhere like around. I kind of just wandered through the office and people were like, oh yeah, hey, um, here's, a, here's a computer for you. We have another one coming <laughs> soon. It was like 20 people at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach started that day and the interns. Wow, yeah. So everybody thought I was an intern. <laughs> And uh, I shouldn't have mentioned it on the podcast because now I'm never going to live it down. <laughs> um, so this but, is in 2012 in the summer. Yeah. Uh, for background, we had a – the company was, yeah, about 20 people. And we decided it was a good idea to hire five summer interns yeah, right. uh, from Princeton. And I think there was one from – Swarthmore. Uh, Swarthmore. And one from RIT. Uh, RIT, yeah. Uh, and – on the same day that they started, Rohan happened to start and was a recent college grad and looked like he could still be in college. I was actually younger than some of them. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Right. So, uh, yeah, the the perpetual intern. Um, right. Were there, I I seem to remember there being some pranks that summer, uh, but I can't remember the details. Yeah, there so were I mean, a lot of good pranks. Yeah. Uh, I think there was mostly contained to their little, they had like a little uh, intern corral yeah. where they were all sit. Um, I think they were mostly there, but all the pranks... Uh, other than that, we're based on me being also an intern. Yeah. So, like, who's your favorite intern? And I'm just like me on the board, no, nobody else. Right. Uh, it was good times, though. Uh, so, yeah, I guess, like, that was that was my earliest memory coming in. Just, like, 20 people, super small. There's the wallet office. Yeah. There were, like, three or four analysts in the whole analyst room. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Um, probably Xiao Tara and maybe Sharon. Xiao, Tara, Sean, and Mark. Sean, that's right. Sean was the original. Yeah, Sean the was original. Uh, yeah, Amazing. hacking PHP on derivatives into like... Yeah. Uh, yeah, get into some inside baseball stuff here, but fortunately, everyone who listens to this works here, so... Oh, yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> he can be as inside baseball as we want. <laughs> right, sorry. Um, right, right. This is great. Uh, so, 
uh, yeah, I remember that time quite fondly. Um, yeah, and me too. So this, uh, the summer ended. You were the the one uh, uh, intern that stuck around, right. so to speak. Yeah. Um, and then a point in time came when you went back to grad school. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I guess. Um, so I stayed at uh, RJ for 15 months, I guess, after I started. Yeah. So full year and then the summer. Um, and I had... Also uh, deferred an admission to Penn. Mm-hmm. Um, since it was in Philly, I figured I'd figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, we talked about it a lot. Decided that it was like a great idea for me to like, go back, work on that full time, mm-hmm. do my master's and come back to work. So I did. Uh, I think it was like August of 2013. Uh, I went back to school, mm-hmm. grad school at Penn. Uh, did my master's for over two years and then started again back here. Amazing. This last summer, yeah. Yeah. What uh, what you do? Uh, what did you study during the masters? And did you have any like project or thesis? Yeah, yeah. So um, it was a pretty. It was the uh, master's of computer science mm-hmm. um, at Penn, but I specialized in uh, programming language theory and uh, like algorithmic theory. As much as like you can specialize in something, me, I just took classes mm-hmm. uh, in that vein. Uh, I did do a thesis. It was also in uh, PL theory. Um, it was pretty esoteric, but uh, kind of cool, like pretty applicable. So that was my last whole semester was dedicated to finishing that thesis and TA in one class. Uh, gotcha. Did, was that thesis solo or did you have a, a group? Uh, I, had a, I had a pretty big group actually. It was, um, I was doing an independent study with a professor in the PL uh, group, program language group. Okay. And uh, he had a PhD student who was finishing up his PhD thesis and he, they were working on uh, this one project for the thesis, and I was going to contribute to that. But they were also working with a professor at Princeton and his master's student. Mm-hmm. So there were five of us working on the same project, uh, and I was contributing to a piece of his thesis, oh, essentially. Gotcha. What, what was the thesis about? Yeah, so um, the general uh, category is a program synthesis, uh-huh. which is having a computer uh, or a system like, write a program uh, automatically. And so... It was based on type theory, which is a sort of mathematical theory of um, in programming language design, uh, where like types are like ints and booleans and stuff like that. Sure. And so, a type theory, type theory is a way to systematize uh, types in languages. And so, uh, he was using type theory to create a system that would auto-generate a program. So you would, the way it worked is you would give, um, you would specify a type signature for a function. So you'd be like, my function takes an integer an integer and it returns another integer mm-hmm. and um, then you would give it examples like input and output examples like one and one will give you two and two and two will give you four mm-hmm. and then the program would just uh, generate the program of plus right oh wow okay yeah and how so, low level is that is that being implemented in like assembly or is that way more abstracted super abstracted it was actually written in OCaml whoa okay yeah so it was like uh, functional language high-level functional language um, yeah, the idea, the idea is that um, the output um, output function is was also an OCaml, so you would specify something in like a sort of OCaml esque um, uh, template, and then it would output the OCaml function that does that thing. Nice. Yeah. So like it was pretty cool. They had some complicated ones like tree manipulations and like mm-hmm. uh, different like string uh, manipulations and things like that. And so that was the general. Project. I my specific role was, um, and my thesis was on adding records to uh, this system. Uh-huh. So there's like a the record type is basically a um, a type that uh, contains a bunch of other types. 
So you can name and specify the type. So you have a record that's X, Y, and Z, and they're all ints. So that's like a, a three-dimensional point. Uh-huh. Or X, Y, it's like a two-dimensional point. And so having that new type be part of the system and how it, uh, like the math behind how it uh, works in the system, how you destruct and construct objects of that type. I see. And to like find the solution. So like I would write example programs like, you know, uh, to find like the distance of like function using like these different points. Gotcha. Something like that. Yeah. Wow. Is the the way that ends up working more about the the reverse engineering of a known concept such as plus, or is it actually deriving the idea of plus itself? Um, right. So yeah, it's not. It's definitely the latter. Yeah. Um, it's like it's derive. It's what it's doing is it's finding the. Uh, the, the program with the smallest abstract syntax tree, uh-huh. the most minimal program you can find that is uh, consistent with your example set. Oh, wow. Okay. And yeah. is, I assume that all it could potentially have to work with is the example set, right? Yes. Like th- th- that's all it's got to work with. So. Right. And so the nice thing about type theory is that, um, or like the, w- the way the system is designed is it's a strongly typed language, mm-hmm. OCaml is, uh, and also the system that we're designing. So every value you have, like one and two, is really just a type, mm-hmm. right? And so like you're, you're doing is you're deconstructing and constructing types. Um, which are basically values, and then that uh, essentially is how you solve different programs. You just destruct the value you have until the smallest type. Gotcha. And you like yeah. It reminds me in statistics of just like regressions. Uh, like you yeah, have sorry. you have additional training data as that data set grows. Your yes. approximation of the underlying real trend is better represented by the regression that you're building out. Right. 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 Um, that's pretty damn cool. It was it was very cool. It was yeah. super interesting. Um, I was way out of my league. Um, uh, just like all the people on the team who I was working with were just like leagues, yeah. leagues ahead of where I was uh, coming into the project. But I learned a ton mm-hmm. and wrote a thesis on it. I like all of my um, logic worked out. Like it was good. I had some proofs and stuff in there. It was yeah. it was nice. It was totally worthwhile. That's great. Yeah. Um, and so you were there for two years. Yeah. Um, we certainly kept in touch over the time and you mm-hmm. came to a Christmas party here or there, I'm sure. Yep. Um, Your birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing <laughs> milestones along the way. Right. Um, uh, right in the middle there, you had a summer. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, tell me about that summer, what you did. Yeah. So uh, instead of coming back and just doing work over the summer, I uh, took an internship uh-huh. at Tumblr in New York. So I went to New York for the summer to live and work uh, as an intern at Tumblr. Uh-huh. Which was pretty pretty exciting. It was very cool to see a company which had pretty recently been bought. Um, yeah. I guess they just maybe like four or five months ago had been bought by Yahoo. Yeah. Uh, so they were just transitioning out of like startup into like full company mode, mm-hmm. um, which was very exciting to be part of. Uh, I was on their ads engineering team, which had just spun up since they got acquired because uh-huh. they were monetizing. So that was a brand new team out of like a brand new culture. It was it was pretty exciting. That's neat. what was the culture like at Tumblr slash Yahoo? Uh, yeah, it was. Um, and by the way, if you podcast listeners can hear the bagpipes in the background, we're recording this on the uh, Friday of St. Patrick's Day weekend, uh, and the yeah. windows here are thin, so we're enjoying some uh, some background bagpipes. Yeah, it's kind of nice. It's actually. not bad. Yeah, it's we're also in the studio on the fourth floor where uh, Ryan has the green screen hung up, uh, which is this iridescent green that yeah. is taking the whole room over. So that plus bagpipes plus St. Patrick's Day has right. got me. And, the beer and, we're, and we're both drinking beers yeah, the beer right house. now. It's a very St. Patrick's <laughs> Day. Yeah, so we're very yeah. we're St. Patrick's as it gets right now. Yeah. Um, the, like, the culture was cool. It was, I guess, what I expected a tech startup, like a larger tech startup to be yeah. culture-wise. Um, 
lots of engineers, uh, like just big company, kind of you know crazy uh, startupy life things like mm-hmm. food every day. I guess they did breakfast yeah. Monday, they did lunch Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then breakfast Tuesday and Thursday. Mm-hmm. Like you know, incredible amounts of like. Yeah, snacks and partying and all those kind of things. Did you get the sense that in New York City that was that was relatively standard? Like when I talk to entrepreneurs that uh, have companies that offer meals, like three meals a day, five days a week, right? Companies, it's they almost describe it as like a nuclear arms race. Like, yep. one person in town offers that, and then they're in a competitive situation, and it kind of becomes the the de facto standard for yes. that how that benefit is offered. Did that seem like? Did the other engineers there maybe appreciate that as much as you did, or did that seem fairly like standard? I think that like there's still a little bit of shock value to the fact that people are just giving you so much at your job yeah. that like people are still like, oh wow, I can't believe we're getting this new ridiculous thing today. Uh-huh. But uh, and that that is definitely true of New York. I uh, the cool thing about being an intern was, or like an interesting thing was that we got to tour other startups. Yeah. Like there was like um, I guess Tumblr was under a certain they were, investors were like. They were union, uh, union, uh, union Square Ventures. Yeah, 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 and yeah. I think Insight Venture Partners, where Jake and I used to work, yes, was in there. Yeah. I think so. And so uh, a lot of the uh, other like sister companies in that, yeah. we got to like visit them and like you know do oh, mixtures yeah. and stuff. And so we would go to their places, and they were just as ridiculous. Uh-huh. So we're like, oh, okay, at least it's not <laughs> yeah. just us. We're in the family, yeah, right. Um, but yeah, I think that yeah, there was there was definitely a sense of like, like this is. Insane that we're getting all this stuff, but I think it was expected. Yeah, like I think if it wasn't there, people have been like, "Oh, that's weird. I can get it somewhere else for uh-huh. sure." Um, and then there was like nothing compared to like I had friends who were interning at Google, uh-huh. and like their setup is just oh yeah, unreal. Uh, dry cleaning and yeah, uh, just uh, yoga and yoga sleep pods and like <laughs> rooms and rooms for video games and yeah. Legos. It's crazy. It's it's nuts. But um, the culture, other other than that, the perks and stuff was it was pretty cool. They um. They were still like uh, building a lot, like to make their like infrastructure like really sound. And it was it was very exciting. There were a lot of smart people around. People working on very cool problems. Uh, we had like tour of their data center uh, in like I think it was in like Paramus or something, New Jersey, and uh-huh. it was like pretty wild. Like all like the setup they had and stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, so the culture was it was pretty cool. It was fun. Yeah. What did you think of New York City? Uh, I, I I loved and hated it. It was it was. Uh, there are things you can do in New York that you can't like do anywhere else, and like the possibilities in New York are sort of limitless. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a little bit grinding. Um, like so, here are my like pros and cons. Pro, uh, we like a couple of us went out um, on a Thursday night to um, the Comedy Cellar, uh-huh. right? A pretty famous uh, comedy cellar. Sure, that's in the opening theme to Louis. Louis right, yeah, yeah. So pretty famous, but Thursday night like the eleven thirty show, right? So you're like, yeah. all right, we're gonna see somebody cool. It's not gonna be insane, right? So yeah. we're sitting outside in line and like. We see Aziz and Sorry, like just like talking up with a comic, right? And we're like, oh, that's cool. Like, maybe he'll drop in and do a set. Yeah. Uh, so we go in, and like a couple of people went on, some famous people, like a Daily Show correspondent, mm-hmm. and like somebody was on a Chappelle show. And then they're like, oh, like the staff came around and was like, all right, don't take any pictures. Like somebody famous is coming on. And then Ray Romano came out and did a set. <laughs> oh, my God, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, and we were just like, oh, this is insane. And then later Aziz did a set, and wow. Dave Tell did a set. And we ended up like, leaving at like three in the morning. And it was like a Thursday, a and right? Like that would never happen oh. in like another city. The worst part, though, is that when you would want to get on the subway in the morning, you would literally have to shove people out of your way mm-hmm. to get onto a subway to get to work. Yeah. So it was it was like pros and cons. Um, yeah, that uh, that rings a bell. When I was up there, uh, where Jake and I worked was at fifty fourth and fifth, and the subway that I took home was at forty second and fifth. 
And in between those two is Rockefeller Center yep. and the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. Uh, yep. And when it got to be from Thanksgiving until New Year's, yeah. when I say my commute rose by an hour, that is not an exaggeration. Yeah, that's and like, it ought to be a 10-minute walk down to right. that subway. Uh, and the police would forcibly like push me down off of Fifth Avenue, like yep. down to Sixth Avenue to go around. You can't even get down on Sixth Avenue because yeah. Rockefeller takes up the whole block. Sometimes I'd end up all the way down in Times Square just to get on the subway to get that's back insane. home. Uh, and it was never ending. Yeah. Uh, like the, the number of tourists that show up on any given day yes. to go and, and consume that is just bigger and bigger and bigger as it goes on. It's like, I did two years of that and, uh, yeah. I was like, I gotta, I gotta get it the away from The sheer number of people alone street. is like unreal. Yeah. You can like leave Manhattan and it's still pretty dense. Like uh -huh. a lot of parts of Brooklyn, like anywhere you go, like there's still Oh, in like insane number of people walking around. Where did you live while you were there? So I was in the East Village. Uh, I stayed okay. at the NYU dorms, but oh, nice. um, it was great. I did had, Tumblr like, set that up for you, or did you figure it out? I think they gave us like links, mm -hmm. and I just found it. It was like it's incredibly expensive to sublet in New York for the summer, uh -huh. like just astronomical amounts of money. But the dorms were pretty cheap, uh -huh. um, so I stayed there. And it was a great spot. The East Village was like second and second. Yeah, like great real estate. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I couldn't ask for a better spot actually. Um, and I love living there, actually. It was – the East Village is, like, very fun, very cool. That's uh, really cool. Yeah. That's great. So your summer wraps up. You come back. You uh, do the interesting work on that thesis. Yep. It comes time to figure out, uh, okay, what am I going to do with my life? Mm -hmm. And while we had talked about you coming back, there was no guarantee that you were going to be able to get a job. There was no right. guarantee that we were going to be able to get you. Uh, right. And you had had this great experience in New York. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about – that decision point in your life and kind of what, what you were weighing and uh, your decision to ultimately come back here. Yeah, uh, it was it was definitely confusing. I um, I had seen like, uh, you know, Tumblr and like that was super exciting and like the possibility of going to work at a big company like that. Um, and so that was a little bit enticing, but I love Philly. Like mm -hmm. I love I love being here in Philly. Uh, so it was a huge draw to stay here and I this is like the only place I would I really wanted to work in Philadelphia. Yeah, uh, I just loved it here so much, and like uh, it felt like home. So uh, between like uh, after like grad school was like sort of like a year of it, it was like pretty grueling uh, as like fun as it was. So I wanted like a couple years where I didn't have to like change my whole life again mm -hmm. and like do something like fully different, like move to a different city, and like staying in Philly, coming back here was like it's not like easy, but it was like more comfortable. Yeah, and so there's that. The other thing, though, that was really important to me was that I, I personally think that the talent here is smarter. Mm -hmm. Like the engineering talent here is, is just smarter than I saw elsewhere when I was interviewing, and when I was like working in New York. I, like just gotcha. when you say here, you mean RJ at or RJ at RJ, yeah, at RJ specifically. Yeah, I like I I truly believe that like on average the uh, engineering talent is just a little bit better, mm -hmm. or. It, like as a team, like individuals specifically. Yeah. Um, that's just that's just what I noticed, and I wanted that. I guess uh, it was nice, but it, it was still pretty small. When uh, I mean, we're still only like twenty five, maybe engineers. Yeah. Maybe less. Yeah, engineering teams twenty five, twenty six. Yeah, and then products bigger, another half dozen. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like when I was uh, started, it was probably still like twelve to fifteen. Yeah, I think so, that's that's true. Yeah. So it felt it still felt like home, and like um, I felt like I could. Uh, still learn a lot from people individually mm -hmm. and not like go through the whole uh, like larger company experience. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It, it just seemed like the right, uh, the right move to come back. Well, there's a lot of pent up demand. There was a, there was a <laughs> Rohan mask that was floating around yeah. all the time. It's a, 
uh, it was just meant to be. It was yeah, it's kind of crazy. I didn't know all of the <laughs> absurdness that was going on. <laughs> cultish fanfare that right. goes on around here right. Right now when people disappear. Yeah, it's uh, true. That's great. So uh, talk to me about that love for Philly. What, what is it about Philly that has you so entranced? I, I honestly don't know. I think it's like, um, it's a combination of being in a city and being in like a really like relaxed and like comfortable environment. Yeah. I feel like you get all the advantages of living in a large city uh, here, like great restaurants, great bars. Um, yeah, it's like art, I got like fun things to do, great like, you know, um, public park space and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's not as like grinding as I would say like New Yorkers or I've heard San Francisco is. Yeah. Um, plus the attitude here is like a little bit uh, more punchy, I guess, or like um, it's a city with edge. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's like uh, it's edge where it's like uh, it's not edgy like in the way that New York is. Yeah, it's edgy in the way where like uh, somebody will make fun of you if they just met you. Yeah, like for sure. <laughs> and I don't think anybody in California has ever done that before. Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody walks up to you and, like bust your balls like in uh, <laughs> Silicon Valley. But yeah. like here, for sure, that will happen, uh, which I like and I appreciate. Uh, I, I, yeah, I just think the. Uh, the social aesthetic of like Philadelphia is something that I can relate to really well, yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's that there's that it's still pretty small and kind mm-hmm. of like you know shit on everywhere else in the world. So like it isn't yeah. like exploded here yet, and it feels like uh, a place where like you feel like it's a home, and like people who live here are like kind of part of like uh, there's a like, group of people who love where they are where they are and like I don't know it's it's nice like that. Yeah, there's this I grapple with whether this thought is. Uh, egoistic or altruistic but i feel like one of the reasons i like philly so much is because i feel like it's a city where i can theoretically make a difference by having been here like whether whether or not a company that i start here or a team that i work with here is here and is engaged and Mm -hmm. is invested in the city and finding all the wonderful things about it uh in new york or in san francisco in a lot of ways that that impact to the local culture and to the local economy we got to blend into the background and be relatively meaningless um and in philly it still is a a minuscule percentage of the the gdp or the payroll of the city or the jobs count right but because of uh kind of the the degree of innovation involved in the industry that we are in and the cachet that comes with being able to have a, a technology startup it's actually a thing where doing that in philly kind of kind of makes it extra cool and kind of matters in a lot of ways. Uh, and I think that that's, that's a big part of the appeal. Um, it's like, I you feel like you're a part of something that is really moving the needle. Yeah, I definitely feel like the tech scene here especially is something that you can get involved in without getting lost in, um, yeah. which is like really nice to be able to like see like familiar faces like at different events all over the city, yeah. uh, interact with the same people. Uh, it feels nice. Uh, it feels like a community. Um, it's really been fun to get to the point where you can't walk down Chestnut Street between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. and not yep. see 10 people that you know. Oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, and yeah. that's like, you know, one of the main drags in the city and it's like, this is, this yeah. is our, our neighborhood. You know? it, this is absolutely. Our yeah, I cannot walk around Center City on a weekend without seeing at least one person that yeah. I'm familiar with. And I, I sort of love that. At times, it could be uh, a little bit <laughs> but it is, it is pretty great. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, let's talk about those weekends. Um, what when you're not here, uh, chugging away on building awesome software? What are you doing? What am I doing? Uh, <laughs> so currently, 
uh, a whole lot of nothing. I made a pledge to myself after grad school to have a year where I literally did not have any goals that are like <laughs> super <laughs> large. So I have been whiling away and wasting my time. Uh, How, uh, does that require active work from you, or is that <laughs> just like that's your that's your default mode of operation? There there are moments where I struggle with the fact that I'm literally not doing anything with my life, yeah. but they are very fleeting and they, they fall away as soon as I have one drink. So it's not too bad, but. Um, uh, I like so I have like little hobbies uh, that I do. I play guitar. I um, do yoga. I go for runs. Like you know, normal household things like watch too much TV, that yeah. sort of stuff. Uh, go see concerts. Bike around the city. Go to parks. That sort of thing. Uh, nothing like nothing like very. I don't have, like this thing I do on the weekend all the time. But yeah. it's just like you know, casual city living. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you have a you know you have a great job and you do a bunch yeah. of stuff that makes you happy in the time you're not working. Like that, yeah. that's that's life. It's I weird that I'm so sad. <laughs> yeah, uh, there should not be that much guilt uh, around that. Um, yeah. I didn't realize you're a runner. Do you? Uh, oh no, I'm, not, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I go for runs. I am not a runner. I occasionally will put on shoes and go faster than I normally do. I, I am not a runner. Uh, I've been trying to get better, uh, but it's, it's very grinding. Yeah. Uh, it's. Uh, I was never a runner before RJ Metrics, and it was actually Chris Merrick. Uh, yeah. There was a summer. It was the very first summer that we moved into Philadelphia. So it was summer, summer 2011, um, after we got the Wall Street office. And... I don't know what it was, but I I suddenly decided that I was going to tell people that I liked running, even though right. I didn't. And Chris Merrick, who actually did like running, and I would leave the office very routinely sometime in the early afternoon, like between yep. noon and two p.m. I remember and it was a summer, so it was like yeah. it would be a hundred degrees, hundred five degrees outside. Wait, was this in Philly, or was this... this is in Philly? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. uh, and we go out and like run the Schuylkill River Trail and just come back to the office drenched and I, dying. I specifically remember yeah. that. <laughs> And that, like, that was what running was to me. And, like, to this right. day, I can, in the wintertime, I'm like, oh, this is way too cold for running. But if you're in the middle of July and it's 100 degrees right. outside, I'm like, all right, let's go game on. Let's right. go outside. Um, are you still sticking by that? Or are you running all year? I uh, Some years I run all year. This year I brought it down to, like, once a week over the winter. And I bad. try to do, like, three or four times a week normally. So that's more a function of wow. the – getting married and just being uh, generally a fat guy this winter. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. Uh, congrats, by the way. Thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Running is running is, is one of those things where I, I hate the idea of doing it. I hate doing it. Yeah. But I love the feeling after I did it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's a weird addiction where I'm like, I'm like I don't really want to go for a run. I'm not good at it. I This is going to suck. And I doing it, I'm like, this is terrible. Yeah. And then I'm done. I'm like, oh, it was amazing. I should yeah. do that all the time. It, 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 I love food. Uh, yes. It's just a banner. I'm wearing a t-shirt right now that says I love food. Uh, <laughs> I, the running just eradicates all guilt associated with that love of food for me. It's uh, true. And I think that that might be a big part of, like, I, I'm sure that there's some kind of dopamine release and I generally feel mm -hmm. good because I exercise. But there's right. also a, there's like a guilt release yes. where it's like no matter what I do, if I wake up tomorrow and I run five miles in the morning, no matter what I do the rest of the day, it was a good day. Uh, Absolutely. Five miles is, yeah, it's a good run. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it might be a little bit of walking in that uh, in that calculus. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I, my, my favorite run right now is, I will, so I live at 12th and Tasker in South Philly. Oh, cool. Yeah. We're neighbors. I'm at 11th and Washington. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually moving to Teth and Dickinson, so we're going to be a oh, little bit closer. Crap. That's amazing, yeah. Um, and my favorite run right now is I'll run up 12th to like, uh, I guess like 
maybe Christian or Bainbridge or something. Yeah. And then run over to front, run up to Street Street Harbor. Yeah. And then like run around by the boats and like down by the docks and such. Yeah. And then uh, I'll take a but I'll take a break at Street Street Harbor uh-huh. just like you know appreciate like the air and like all that stuff going on and also rest my legs. Yeah. And then I'll pick up back there and like run back down the uh, the trail. Nice. Uh, over there and then come down by Tasker. It's it's nice. It's great. I love to stop like right in the middle. Yeah. Take like a little breather. I've gotten this really bad habit lately where I part of what keeps me going running is new environments and new uh, yeah. just views and whatnot. And when I'm traveling in other cities, I, I will use running as a way to like explore the city. Yeah. But one of the ways I totally wuss out uh, and it's such a spoiled brat thing, like I will just go to the coolest possible destination right. that is as many miles as I think I can run away. Yes. And then I take an Uber back yeah, totally. to where I started. Yeah. Yes. And now that there's now that Uber pool is around everywhere and it's basically yeah. like three dollars to go anywhere, anytime yes. if you don't care about the time. Uh, but I feel so guilty because I always get I am like sweating yep. up like I'm right. hotboxing some somebody's Corolla yeah. uh, because I'm uh yeah. hundred degrees. But I hear yeah. I, I I haven't done it yet, but I do carry like a twenty dollar bill in my pocket. Just in case I decide that I you can't run all the way back. Yeah. You never know. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Once you accept the fact that uh, it's a, uh, it's just a part of a part of the routine, it's yeah. a pretty great uh, – because that also gives you – it doubles your theoretical like exploration yes. distance. Like you can mm-hmm. go um, – with your run, for example, you get up to Harbor Park and you can get up on the bridge and you can run into Camden. Yes. Uh, and that's like – that's a great freaking run, but it's too long to do the round trip on from, from that. Yeah. And also when you're traveling, it's like you don't – particularly know the area so it's like even if you want to come back to the same spot like you have to know that mental map of the map oh, but, if you, true. but if you just go somewhere then like you can just go any direction you want to yeah and then they'll you know, they, they know their way back so they can come bring you back it's a beautiful thing yeah totally. uh, technology makes it all yeah, better it does uh cool i um uh i got a million things i want to ask about so uh you play the saxophone i do also play the saxophone that's true i guess i should say i I played the saxophone. I do pick it up from time to time now, yeah. but I played straight for maybe like ten years. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. When you, how much like riding a bike is it when you pick it back up? Uh, it is similar in that I'm terrible at no. <laughs> <laughs> that I fall over sideways lot, every yeah. time I do it. Um, it is. It's actually it's surprisingly like riding a bike. I guess uh, I did it enough where that's the case. Um, yeah. I was totally a band geek, uh, like motion band, jazz band. Mm-hmm. Uh, all year round. I was uh, gonna ask, are you like a uh, who are your sax idols? Is it ooh sax idols? Um, jazz people? Is it? Yeah, it was definitely jazz. Uh-huh. Um, I guess like bebop, probably Charlie Parker uh-huh. uh, is my favorite. Eric Dolphy sometimes plays uh, sax, and he's pretty great. Um, who else I really love? Uh, I mean, Coltrane's Coltrane's good. I, I love I love Coltrane. Um, I don't know. I guess I don't particularly have that many uh, jazz idols. How do you feel growing up about Lisa Simpson? Was that a positive uh, mark in the I'm a sax player or? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, for sure. uh, I did love that. Uh, I didn't watch that much Simpsons growing up. Uh So I don't know. I guess I never really know. I guess when I noticed it was already too late for me to judge that. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it's awesome. And she's great at the saxophone. Are you, what year were you born? Uh, 91. 91. 91. Yeah, 90s, baby. <laughs> so I was just, I was just talking to uh, uh, Mark Franz, uh, who is a senior product manager here, uh, yesterday because he sent out an email with a bunch of jokes in it 
that were references to the sitcom Perfect Strangers. Yes. Uh, so Balky and Uncle Larry yes. and uh, I that sent me down this rabbit hole the night he sent that email out of watching old Perfect Strangers episodes nice. on YouTube. And I found the Wikipedia page, and that show went off the air in 1991. Wow. Uh, and I was saying to him, I was like, I think there are people that work here that were born in 1991. And yeah. here, here I have one captive in the studio. It's very true. Yeah. If I did have a pension for, like, TV Land, yeah. I would have had no I mean, idea about the show. He also brought up that uh, for a while, TGIF, which was running a lot of new episodes of, like, Family Matters and other things, right. ran Perfect Strangers reruns during some of the time slots in really? TGIF. So I think that's how a lot of people that – like, even for me, I was born yeah. in 83, so I would have only been eight years old when I went off the air. True. It's not like I was a sitcom addict at eight years old. Right. Somehow that show got into my brain. Yeah, it was going. Yeah. Uh. Um so uh, you mentioned watching TV as part of your do nothing uh, year of Rohan. Yeah, I mean that's uh, part of my general do nothing <laughs> life, but specifically in this year. Is there a uh, are you uh, are you one of the cord cutter people? Do you have a cable contract or I are you... do, but I don't use it. Uh, yeah. It's weird. I'm on best of both worlds. You pay the money and you don't. Use it. Yeah, I guess like I don't know. Somehow Comcast got into my mind that the best deal I could possibly get for my yeah. internet was to also have basic cable. Uh-huh. You know, so I have basic cable and then also free HBO. But like, I'm not going to use basic cable that often. Yeah. Uh, so mostly it's cut. It's nice every once in a while when there's like a thing on TV that I yeah. really want to get. But free HBO and like super fast internet is like fine. It's pretty hard to beat. Yeah. yeah. No, I am. I'm, I think when I move, I'll probably cut, uh, cut it out. Uh, I don't really use it. I want to get rid of my TV in the first place, yeah. but uh, that's, a different, that's a different story. Are you, what about you? Uh, do you have a cable connection? I do. Uh, and in fact, my... So, why? Uh, why do I have it? Yeah. What do you watch? Is it sports? Because that's the big... It's actually thing. not sports. Interesting. Um, is it C-SPAN? I, one, of the, one of the things <laughs> I'm entertaining right now, it's not sports or C-SPAN. Those are the number one and two American addictions to yeah. live television <laughs> that you've identified. Right. It's not. Uh, no, I know so little about sports that I am... Same. Uh, it is... At times, because of my career, it would be advantageous to be able to make the slightest bit of small talk about sports. Just Uh like, how about those uh, goal unit baskets that got scored last night in the the challenge? Totally. Um, and I've, I've got none of it. And Jake, (laughs) Jake is no help because he's like, he's worse than me. Um, but it's, uh, uh, I can understand – I can actually see myself getting very into sports, but it's one of those things that's kind of binary. It's like right. I either want to know everything about it and obsess about it or totally. I'm going to let it lapse and, and I'm going to know nothing. Uh, you have to I'm, keep up on it too. Yeah. March Madness started yesterday yeah. and I got my hair cut this morning and the guy was like, oh, man, you following the Big Ten? I was like, I I don't know what that means. <laughs> I know. It is, it is a constant struggle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel your pain. Yes. Yeah, so you know, it's uh, – I think I could probably accomplish everything that I want to accomplish through TV today by getting rid of Comcast and just having like a Hulu Plus like premium subscription. Yeah, that's um, true. Because there's not really and and an HBO Go. Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's anything that is live. Like I I I'm a fan of the entertainment industry. I'm big right. into the comedy scene and everything. Like I'll watch. Right, right. True. I'll throw an Oscars party. You know, I'll watch the Oscars in real uh, yeah, in real time. Live totally. It's happening and some some stuff like that. But um, I don't have anything that is appointment viewing. Like right. every Thursday at 8.30 p.m., I am watching NCIS because I love yes. Ted Danson. Like that is just not happening. It's weird that the, the that culture used to be so prevalent. It, I grew up on it. I, I did too. I, I, wonder, uh, I wonder though if families still TV. like that. I, it's a good question. I wonder if I 
I have like just ended up in a culture that's different than the culture I grew up in and it still exists or if that's just right. gone. Because I, I would imagine that like you eat dinner and then you sit down for TV. Yeah. And like I guess that is like the time that you watch something. Yeah. But like now you can just watch whatever show you want to at that time. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. If you didn't – growing up, if you did not catch Seinfeld at 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. on Thursday – you're gonna see it in July when yeah. they rerun it, uh, it or exactly. you hope that you, you hope that got your VCR timer yes. kicked in at the right moment exactly and uh, didn't tape over the uh, yeah the, the Simpsons or Power Rangers rerun you right after. right right um, crazy um, all right so uh, I uh, I'm gonna grab another beer you want another beer uh, yeah I love I'm it gonna man. ask you a question you're gonna keep talking okay uh, that sounds good and that question is what is a hungry boy. Oh, no. That's not. That's so messed up. All right. Uh, well, I have to preface this by saying I don't actually know. Uh, I'm not a hungry boy. Uh, I guess I have no desire to be a hungry boy. I'm not really thinking of, I don't think I'm allowed to talk about this at all. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure that Sean or Owen might kill me after this podcast. But um, apparently, I've heard... It's a group of people who love to eat and spend uh, an inordinate amount of time talking about how much they love to eat at Metrics. But this is all hearsay. And, um, yeah, I'm probably dead now. <laughs> Thanks, man. No problem. Uh, I don't know if out in the marketing pit right outside this door they can hear everything we're saying mm. or just when I open the door. But by the time I got back in, everyone was talking about hunky boys. Oh so no! I uh, I'm not even. I didn't even hear your answer. And uh, okay, I don't care. I'm this just gonna is, let it go. Uh, this is a. <laughs> yeah, I I I don't know. Uh, I know you're not supposed. To, I, I can't speak. I can't speak. Is to this like boys. Fight Club? I don't know because <laughs> I really have no. I have no inside knowledge. Um, but. Yeah, I, I definitely know that they're going to murder me after this. All right. Well, that's good. Uh, it wasn't even you that brought it up. Last night at our uh, happy hour, I said, what should I ask Rohan about? And five people said, ask him what a hungry boy is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's it's a, it's a secret society of nerds or something. All right. Uh, well, secret's out. Um, your, uh, your About Us page profile. Yes. Uh, is the lamest about us page profile on the about us page? Wait, I'm why? Oh my! That's a strong statement. First of all, <laughs> the uh, uh, I think it's a, and my guess is that you had one before. Uh, I did. That was more robust, and now your one today says like Ron just got back from Penn. He likes good beer, bad beer, and riding his bike or something like that. Uh, usually, I get tons of fodder for this podcast out of about us profiles. Mm, interesting. I, uh, but you should know me so well by now. I, I really uh, I really should. I'm just going to the I'm going Interesting. to the sheet. But my picture is so good. It is a great. Uh, did Did you do the thing where it's your your original picture is your old photo from two years ago? No, no. My have you seen it? It's where my face is just slightly different. Oh, that is right. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it, so maybe it might be the best uh, yeah. goofy picture. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I struggled with writing a serious one or a, a completely fake one. Yeah. I went middle of the road on it. Straight down the middle. Straight down the middle. Yeah. Uh, do um, I'm curious uh, that about us page always makes me think about the growth of the company and it's, its, absurd, its yeah. impact on culture and the relationships that people have with one another like mm-hmm. throughout throughout the company um, and I think there is a you know we've kind of gotten we've fluctuated around this Dunbar's number range for a while which is just like the number of people that you can actually have real relationships with is right. capped that's something 
hopefully your friends and family occupy a lot of that number. I think the number's around 150 or something like right. that. And okay. if you're going to have 85 people or 100 people at work that you need to maintain relationships with, it just becomes unsustainable. Yes. Um, so uh, I'm curious, having been someone that was here very early on when it was easy to know everybody and now is here in a time when it's not, what your experience has been around, like, how do you make new friends here? And when new people start, like, what are the things that you end up with bonding with people over? Yeah, um, I don't know. That is a good question, a tough question to answer. Um, I, I suppose I don't really have uh, a tough time meeting new people. Um, finding uh, people that, like, uh, I spend a lot of time with at work. Uh-huh. Also, not super challenging. I guess it's whoever I can make fun of the most that still <laughs> likes to be around me. You know, like whoever I can uh, troll as much as possible and still does not hate me mm-hmm. is who I will just hang around with, um, or who who plays back. Um, yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, I, don't, I think the company's at a good size now. It's it's easy to still meet people and like have good conversations, but it's nice where you can have your own like yeah. groups of people that you spend most of your time with. I guess I would definitely have to say that a lot of my Dumbar number is. RJ people, yeah. uh, a lot of my friends. Yeah, me here. too. Um, because we're all in the same city, we're all like you know close to each other. We spend so much time together, and uh, like socially, RJ is like a pretty fun place to be. Just like after work, yeah, during the day and stuff like that. So uh, people are pretty open about their lives, which is you know it makes being a friend like easier. I think that's very true. Yeah, very very true. Um, uh, I want to make sure we talk a little bit about. Uh, your childhood and uh, like Ooh. your family and all that stuff. So you grew up in Jersey. Sure. Uh, you went to college in Jersey. Uh, I'm the same story. I grew up in Jersey. I went to college in Jersey. Um, Did you were you born in Jersey? I was born in Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, I was born then, in Charleston, West Virginia. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Well, we just follow the same uh, the yeah, same route up. Straight up. Good uh, eight years eight year gap there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So okay. So you were pretty young. Yeah, at the age of two. Uh, Three, my, yeah. Both of my parents were actually from Jersey, and they were down mm. in Maryland. My dad had a job down there, um, so they ended up coming coming back over nice. the long term. That's very cool. Um, yeah, uh, I guess start me out in West Virginia and uh, sure. take the picture. So uh, my parents were living in Charleston, West Virginia. My dad was working at a, maybe Monsanto or some such chemical engineering spot. Uh-huh. I think my mom Your was... Your dad's a chemical engineer. My dad's a chemical engineer. Uh, I think my mom was in school or had just graduated uh, from West Virginia State or something uh-huh. like that. Uh, computer science degree, I think. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, my dad is a chemical engineer. My sister is also a chemical engineer. Uh, we did not straight very <laughs> far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess I was born and uh, my dad didn't want us to grow up saying y'all. So he <laughs> hightailed it out of well, West Virginia to New Jersey, so you could say no to so Rhode you could Island. Say water. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. He moved to Rhode Island because he thought it was Long Island. And he was like, "Oh, that's close to Jersey." <laughs> <laughs> he moved to Rhode Island because he thought it was. Long that's Island. His, that's his line. I don't <laughs> believe him, but uh, I, I also kind of do believe him. <laughs> so we were there for a year. I was probably still like one. Uh, my sister was born in Rhode Island, and then we moved to Jersey, uh-huh. uh, and we've been there. 20, 20 or so years now. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in Jersey, uh, a town called Washington. There's like four Washingtons in New Jersey, but we're the one with the zip code. So like we're the real Washington. Uh, <laughs> yeah, What's that zip code? I know you know it. Uh, 07882. 07882. Forever and always. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a weird... Uh, it's hard to describe Jersey to people who aren't from Jersey, uh-huh. I guess. So where where is Washington relative yeah. to, I don't know, Trenton? 
So yeah, I guess better um, a better locale is it's next to Easton, Pennsylvania. Um, it's that's popular, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, so it is. It's north of Philly. Yeah, it's north. It's the northwest uh, part of New Jersey. Part of New Jersey. Yeah, okay. so it's not all the way north. Like, um, is it so far north that it's north of Manhattan? No, okay. right. It's directly, uh, I guess, west. Directly west of Manhattan. Of Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I gotcha. Kind of close to the Pennsylvania border. Yeah, it's is on the Pennsylvania border. So uh, it's a weird spot in New Jersey because it's not that New York City, New Jersey. It's not that Philadelphia, New Jersey. It's like this weird, like rural, uh, like hilly, um, like farmy part of New Jersey. Uh, it's like tons of forests, lots of land, uh, tons of farms. Uh, I just drew a picture of New Jersey in my notebook trying to yeah, like, highlight exactly where it was. And it looked like a peanut. And I turned it into Mr. Peanut. Nice. Uh, it's be- that's a really good so peanut. It's pretty good. Why uh, did New Jersey look peanut. like a peanut? I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I kind of started out I, with the coastline, which I feel like I know pretty well. Right. And then I was just kind of... That border of Pennsylvania is very misleading. Because mm-hmm. uh, Jersey... Yeah. A lot of people don't know it sticks up farther north than New York City, mm-hmm. uh, and it kind of juts out kind of far west. But yeah. you can get into Pennsylvania without crossing any body of water for the vast majority of the border. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, uh, and it looks like Mr. Peanut. Nice. Uh, yeah, it is a weird spot of New Jersey. Like I don't know how to describe it to people. It's pretty rural. Uh, it's not like Midwest rural, but it's like Northeast rural. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I have friends whose like houses. Uh, or like when it snows, like they can't leave because nobody's plowing like their wow. like backgrounds and stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's less than a suburb, but more than uh, yeah. I guess like the middle of nowhere. Do you ever talk to your mom about her getting a computer science degree? Approximately in 1991 or 1992 was probably really interesting relative to getting it now, just because of the state of technology and yes. the what what you would learn and how theoretical versus practical the curriculum actually was have you ever talked to her about that uh no uh and uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> never mind uh, <laughs> i was gonna make a joke but it, it doesn't really make any sense um i guess uh my understanding is that uh my mom got a computer science degree but it was more maybe it's an associates and yep. so it was more of a programming degree yep so she would work uh, i guess in basic or maybe some sort of derivative of that or uh-huh. something above assembly yeah uh like with punch cards and like on a computer and wow you know, like uh maybe yeah punch cards i think and she was definitely just doing like data entry like programming kind of stuff sure um for a little while but then had me and stopped pretty early yeah uh, and now it's a librarian so uh yeah it, there's not a um, huge overlap in what we could talk about computer yeah. science wise um but it's just funny to me that like she went she actually studied uh textile uh, design in india hmm. um and I came out here and was like, oh, I guess I'll do computers. Uh-huh. And I was supposed to be a lawyer or something like that. I can't remember. <laughs> I was supposed to do when I grew up. Uh, and I was just like, I guess I'll just do computer stuff. Yeah. And that's exactly the same thing happened. Nice. My sister was supposed to be a doctor. And she's like, I guess I'll do chemical engineering. And I don't know. We just like fell into our parents' it, roles. Uh, yeah. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Two no great problem. fields. Did, uh, did your parents meet in India or did they meet here? Uh, they, they had an arranged marriage, mm-hmm. uh, which I put in quotes. Uh, they, my dad graduated uh, from Villanova with his master's, uh-huh. got a job, I think. Um, yeah, West Virginia went back to India to find a wife. Uh-huh. Went on maybe three to five dates. Uh, liked my mom the most. I think went out with her three times. They decided to get married, mm-hmm. uh, and then he moved her to uh, Charleston, West Virginia, from Mumbai, 
which is like metropolis to the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And then he went to work all day and she was at home and she was like, this is horrible. This is incredible. Like, why am I here? Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, no, they, uh, so they didn't meet in India, but uh, I guess they really met like in America. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, super fascinating. I, I have a, quite a few friends that have recently gone through that process. Uh, oh, going to find a interesting. Wife. Yeah, well, at least, yes, in a couple of those cases, or at least having a very, um, a situation where they found their spouse through a, a process where their parents were heavily involved. Yes, uh, And there was not a lot of courting or anything. Like, it went from uh, zero to 100 real quick. Yes. Uh, I, and it's interesting getting getting to see that I haven't had a lot of exposure to that until my friends that uh, right are, are kind of getting the marriage age that uh, that are going to go through that are, are a lot of those friends from Princeton or yeah and actually it's a it's a big bias for Princeton a couple from high school uh, yeah I don't know Jersey we're in Jersey you found Glassboro oh yeah South Jersey yeah the sure. 08028 uh, South nice. yeah just like 20 minutes out of uh out of Philly right yeah um, um right is that is there a lot of people down Glassboro they're uh it is definitely a minority, but it's not like there was one Indian kid. Mm. Uh, it's it's a, a small community in the town. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the same for us. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty small community, but not like, you know, we were, we're not on our own. Yeah. Um, but, cool. yeah, it's it's pretty wild to uh, think about. Um, do you, are there any pressures on you around the circumstances under which you will find a wife or get married someday as a result of what your parents did? Uh, there are no pressures. I That's awesome. did not, I had a very atypical, uh, I guess first generation, uh, like upbringing. Mm-hmm. My parents are like super, um, like about like assimilation. Like we like we weren't like specifically like me and my sister just weren't that Indian. Like we went to temple occasionally, mm-hmm. but like Indian like group of friends. But like we like we don't like we barely even speak uh, like our parents like language. Uh-huh. Uh, we have like no real cultural ties like that. What um, language is that? Gujarati. Gujarati. Which apparently is a very popular language in America, uh-huh. uh, not so much in India. Hmm. Um, but like, it's like there's one state in India where they speak it, uh-huh. um, and so everybody else speaks like Hindi or other languages. But um, yeah, I don't know. If we don't have those kind of pressures. Our parents like really don't care, uh, and they're they're super uh, just like Americanized. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess my, my dad though, and I guess his his later years is becoming more Indian yeah. and pr- kind of wants us to like get married and have like grandchildren. Uh-huh. My mom does not care at all. Yeah. She does, she's like, do whatever you want. Like, that's fine. Um, but it's super surprising to me because I realize now that most other kids didn't have that upbringing. They had like a pretty traditional upbringing in America, mm-hmm. which blows my mind. Yeah. Um, like I saw uh, Meet the Patels, I guess it's like that. Yeah, I've seen the preview for that on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. it was it was cute, uh, but it was just surprising to me that like somebody who's like so uh, – born and raised in America still like has these like ties to like um their like their culture and their heritage because like we just didn't have that as much mm-hmm. um so yeah no it my my life is very uh separated from these traditions but uh they're like still there in like the back like just knowing that sure, they yeah it's a part of who you are uh, it's part yeah of it is yeah right yeah I mean like I could definitely go to a uh like a family uh, event or something like that. People are like, oh, like we can set you up no problem if you want. <laughs> I'm like, I don't. <laughs> I, I'm kind of. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know what that means. But, uh, put that in my back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you know. It sounds interesting. But yeah. Uh, yeah, they're definitely willing to do it. Uh-huh. Um, but there's no actual pressures. Um, I mean, other than the fact that like they're like, oh, yeah, great. Like You should get married. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you it's got time, Mr. 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 91. Um, yeah, it's it's weird. It's um, yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I don't know how to feel about it because it's 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 cool that like people have those like ties to their culture. But I'm also like very happy to like 
be independent of like all those like ties and like ideas and stuff. So yeah, it's it's, it's not part of my life, but it, it's super cool that it is part of other people's lives. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think the libertarian in me is like, yeah. like uh, <laughs> do what you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I mean I've heard you know it's the popular thing is uh, the popular idea is that like um, instead of like falling in love and getting married, mm-hmm. you get married and then fall in love, mm-hmm. um, which like. I, don't know, I guess it has about the same success rate, so it's like yeah, I mean, that's uh, uh, I can't argue with that. Um, if you look at the right numbers, don't lie. Yeah. Um, what was NJIT like? Uh, TCNJ. TCNJ. NJIT, very close campus. Yes. Um, NJIT Newark. TCNJ Trenton. Yeah. Uh, Ewing. Ewing. Yes, Ewing, New Jersey. Right, right close to Princeton, actually. Yeah. Uh, TCNJ was. Fine, I, I think. Um, uh-huh. I, I didn't really spend that much time there, actually. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> Every answer to your question has been like, ah, I don't know. And then you have a great, like, three-minute long answer. I, I can talk forever about anything. Uh, it's like my curse and my uh, gift. Um, <laughs> Tuesday, it was, it was, uh, it was solid. It, it was interesting getting a computer science degree at a little arts college. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because just the resources are different. Um, the small department, you know, we didn't I yeah. have a lot. Um, but it was nice because you were a big fish in a small pond. Sure. Uh, I wasn't really there that long though. I graduated in three years and one of those semesters I studied abroad oh, and wow. one of those years was freshman year. So that doesn't really count. Uh, <laughs> and so like, uh, yeah, I barely was at, uh, TCNJ. That explains why you were younger than some of the summer interns. Yes, we had. exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I probably graduated high school then, but graduated a year early from college. Uh huh. And then started working. How did you pull off graduating in three years? Do you have good AP test uh, scores coming in the door? Sure, sure. Yeah, I definitely did. I guess I don't think so. Um, what I really had was God damn it, Rohan. <laughs> this is my my favorite uh, yeah. Rohan anecdote. I tell this all the time. Is this is in your first stint here? Uh, I was at some point it, like the, the rep on you early on is like yeah, he's really smart, but like I can't tell when he's messing with me and when he's not messing with me. And there was some like urgent yeah. bug going on, and I was g chatting. But this is back when I was still in the code base. And yeah, I was like, yeah. Hey, did you uh, did you review that pull request or something? And I think I still have a screenshot of this somewhere. You you typed back to me, ha 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 ha. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's, that's like I don't know how to deal with this guy. Uh, that's pretty absurd. Uh, I'm really surprised that he did that, uh, but also not at all. Uh, <laughs> what, what was that? What was what was this in response to this one right now? Uh, we were talking about. TCNJ. Oh, how did I pull it off? Uh, oh, how you pulled off the three yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I did have a couple of exams where I did well, but I was kind of a terrible high school student. Not like terrible. I was fine. Yeah. But um, just like pretty bad at like doing my work. Um, but I did take a lot of AP classes. Uh-huh. Um, my high school was like great at like pushing us to like take AP classes and the tests. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a one on my chemistry test. Just, you know, didn't know any of it. Um, but I got two courses worth of credit for it. Because uh, you took the test? Because period? I took the class. Because you took the class. Because my uh, like teacher was um, had a master's, <laughs> so we can duly enroll with the community college. Uh-huh. I had a bunch of classes like that where like I had community college credit. Oh, I see. And it's a Jersey school, state school, so they have That's to transfer to it. it. Yeah. So I got like a like between my APs and like duly enrolling, I got like a year's worth of credit easy. That's incredible. Yeah. It was pretty That's sweet great. actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um Yeah, I don't I don't know. Uh TCG didn't have a huge like um credit uh bar uh-huh. so i think it was pretty pretty straightforward on how you can get uh, nice. out early um so uh i 
always like to ask, what am I not asking you about that I should be? Like, oh man, there's got to be part of your story that if this is a, uh, if a hundred years from now this is the living record of Rohan at uh, at March eighteenth, twenty sixteen. Yeah. What What's the tale that has not been uncovered? Oh man. Um... That's podcast worthy, or like just like in general about my life. I would take in general. I my all things are more interesting than you think they are. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm still grappling with the ideas of existence and uh, like what uh, like how you're supposed to feel in certain situations about certain things. That's those two. Th- that was not where I was expecting you to go with existence. <laughs> uh, uh, not not always feel like in yeah. like situations. It was like how you're supposed to feel about like ideas and concepts and like mm-hmm. constructs, like in the world that we live in general. Is that a um, kind of like a metaphysical question or like a sociological question? Like, uh, maybe both. I, I suppose it's really the root of why I'll answer a question is yes, no. Uh-huh. Right? Because there, I don't like... Shit just got real. Yeah. I, I just don't have like... I don't have like a definitive uh, like idea of something at <laughs> any point in time. So it's like I could both... I can exist in both states like comfortably. Uh-huh. Uh and so I, I, I don't know, like that carries with me through all my decisions in life and like kind of figuring out like how I feel about ideas and stuff. Wow. You're a Schrodinger's engineer. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't even know if it really makes sense or what I'm saying really makes sense, but it's definitely what I'm thinking. So uh, when you – let me just ask you a question in the domain of uh, existence questions and maybe this will trigger something. Sure. Like the idea that – we may right now be sitting here recording this podcast uh, in some kind of simulation that was written by some engineer that made it possible for us to think that we have uh, autonomy and right. are sentient beings. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about that? What do you think the odds are right now that we're, uh, you know, sitting in a uh, in a program? In a program. Um, I guess it doesn't matter. Is my is my answer right? Like, oh. like I don't care. Like specifically, I suppose I, I only can work with. Uh, the inputs I have and like my history and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so any decision I make is just going to be based off of that. And I suppose that regardless of whether or not we're a simulation or not, like I have enough, there's, there's enough data points where it's confusing. So it's like fine. Like who cares if I'm like simulated or not? Like there's still enough confusion in like the simulated existence as there would be in a real existence. So like it's pretty much the same to me. So the existence of confusion provides the necessary stimulation for you to feel like yes. your existence matters right exactly yeah like i suppose i suppose the knowledge though that you're simulated is in a way tr- like challenging because mm-hmm. then, then you know for a fact that like you have finite like capabilities or like they're deterministic uh-huh. uh which is a little creepy i guess um but maybe not. I don't know. Maybe everything's deterministic, even in like a natural world. Yeah, and that's assuming that whatever programming language we were written in is actually one that is deterministic. Uh, right. That's true. Exactly. The construct that we place on our programming languages, but yes, uh, who knows? We yeah. Abso- know. Exactly. Absolutely. Um, um, so, uh, on to your original point about uh, knowing and not knowing, and yeah. uh, not knowing how to think and react in certain situations, like. How do, how do you link those two pieces together, I guess? Like your sense of what reality actually is with the challenges you have around knowing 
how to behave at any given moment. Yeah, sarcasm, I guess, and absurdism, and like yeah. saying things that don't make any sense at uh -huh. all, and uh, reacting to people in ways where they might be confused, <laughs> in like really tense situations, like a bug in production or something. Yeah. Um, that's how I respond to it, by like, you know, completely ignoring it, and just doing the most ridiculous thing instead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's probably the worst way to do it, but it's definitely the most fun. Awesome. Uh, yeah. That uh, that all ties together. Are there? Do you have any crazy examples outside of RJ where maybe your absurdism uh, came to the forefront? Yeah, all, like every interaction I have with people, and like all of every time I hang out. This is coming up more and more lately in my yeah. personal life, but uh, apparently. Where I started drinking, yeah. uh, like my conversations end very dark, but like I'm pretty happy at the end of that night. People yeah. are just like very distraught, but like whatever I'm talking about, um, which I, I guess is probably something I should curtail. Um, but like it's it's very natural for me to get there. I the beholder. Yeah. Uh, what's the What's the most recent time that happened? Uh, probably today, but definitely yesterday, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like probably last night for sure. This weekend, absolutely, at least five or six times. Yeah. Um, yeah, when the conversations get dark. Is it about death? Is it about existence? Yeah, is it it's, it's yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's just the absurdity of life. Yeah. Um, we were at uh, Tara's goodbye drinks. <laughs> I I don't really remember uh, a lot of it, but like, she was like, "Oh, like, how are you gonna get home?" And I was like, "It doesn't matter because we're all gonna die." <laughs> and she was like, "That's not an answer to how you're gonna get home," but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's that's usually how I respond to things. <laughs> this so. is a great. This is a great podcast. <laughs> this is gonna be our most downloaded. This yeah. is gonna download the David Williams podcast. It makes for, no uh, sense. Be like, <laughs> oh yeah. People are be like, "What are you talking about?" Uh, all right, I have a, a line of questions that I like to ask everybody that's on sure. the podcast that okay. I I want to go down. Um, so you've. You've gone through undergrad. You've gone through grad school. Yes. Um, I, college courses can have an effect on us as individuals over the yes. long term. Some you think about more than others when you get a couple of years removed from school. I'm curious if you could go back to any course you've taken, undergrad or master's, yes. and retake it again today. Yes. Does one stand out to you? Uh, absolutely. Um, a few. like. Multiple ones, really. Uh, I guess what I love that I would love to just retake exactly as it was was a uh, and this, of course, I'm going to say this right now. Uh, but a class on existentialism that I took yeah. in my senior year of uh, undergrad. It was just a really great class. The mm -hmm. professor was like super enlightening. Just like had a really great historical context. Mm -hmm. Really uh, like elucidated like philosophical ideas like very well. I had never taken a philosophy class before, and I loved uh -huh. it. So I would definitely take that again. Um, Do you feel like that class, uh, you had been having all these thoughts already and it just started all getting pieced together because of the context that that class gave? Or do you think that that class actually threw fuel on the fire and changed the way that you think about the existence? Um, no, I think it was both, maybe. Mm -hmm. I suppose that like it was nice to know that there was more of a framework to the way that like, ideas are constructed mm -hmm. and like I could use those frameworks to like build my own ideas and that definitely helped me do that like going through life um i don't think specifically existentialism really like had that kind of impact on my life other than the fact that it like postmodernism has affected all of, like culture yeah. and so like i've been affected by it like through that gotcha um but like specifically learning about it was just 
more of like it was very cool to understand uh, philosophy from a, like like um, contemporary philosophy from like a historical perspective from somebody who knew it really well. Yeah. Uh, so I just really I just truly enjoyed like the actual like academic value of that class. Do you remember the professor's name? I don't. Kaufman. No. That's who wrote the book. I don't actually. Uh, I should go back and figure that out. Uh, Read the book by Kaufman. Yeah, Kaufman uh, translates uh, a lot of the Nietzsche. Yeah, books. Uh, he like because they're written in German. He's he's one of like the ah, more famous okay. translators um, for them. But uh, yeah, that class. Uh, another class though, I would love to take again is my uh, theory algorithms theory class hmm. um, in. Uh, grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, only because uh, knowing what I know now, I could have done such a much, uh, such a better job. Oh, yeah. Um, like I went into grad school so ignorant. I came out like so much more. N- What's the opposite of ignorant? Educated. Educated, sure. Sure. That'll work. Um, yeah, and like I want to go back and retake that class with the knowledge that I have now, so I could not do so bad. In it. I feel that way about so many college yeah. classes. Like there, if you looked at my college transcript. There are some classes in there that, you know, I got like a, a B minus in right. statistics 101. Like mm-hmm. I I had never done any. It was my introduction to yes. the very concept of statistics. And right. I grappled with it for so long and it ended up becoming such an important instrumental part of my career and my life. Yes. The, the way that I actually process the world around me. Right. But at the moment of doing it, uh, it was so overwhelming that it was like academically excruciating. Yeah. Uh, I think that statistics 101 – is probably more contribute to my existential crisis than uh, my existential class. Yeah, there. Uh, I took a probability course where I think the professor was more of a yeah. philosophy professor than he was Absolutely. an engineering professor. I, pro- probably has it feel like it doesn't, but it feels to me like you have to have a sense of belief. Yeah. Like you have to truly like invest in an idea for it to like come to fruition. And it also it has all these weird things. Like I love flying, and when people ask me, like, aren't you worried about dying in a plane crash? Um, after I'm done yelling at them about the, the sheer statistical improbability of that, there's this element to it that is, well, actually, if I were to die in a plane crash, I would be so extremely lucky from a probabilistic standpoint. Like, yes. It is basically like winning the lottery. Yes. Uh, and obviously, it's a negative outcome instead of a positive outcome. Right. But at the same time, it's like to be in the grand course of human history and existence part of this minuscule, minuscule population that if you tried your hardest yes. and flew all day, every day for the rest of your life, probably odds are that you know more than a one in a million shot that you would actually have any kind of right. incident, let alone a, a, a fatal one with an airplane. Uh, it's like, holy crap, like let, you know, yeah, let me hold that lottery ticket. Uh, I, I don't want that outcome, but God, it's, it would be pretty, the most exceptional thing that ever happened to me in my life, it would be. Yeah, I, it's, it's this sort of viewpoint on, like, life and death that I also share and which disturbs some other people. They're like, yeah. you're like, yeah, really, though? But, like, like, yeah, like, like, it's amazing that you could die that way. Like, that's phenomenal. Like, that's yeah. so crazy. That'll never happen to anybody. Like, yeah, and that'll be, like, the, so we are, we're housed here in the Widener building. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Widener was a an industrialist and an entrepreneur that lived in uh, the 1800s and early 1900s. Uh, they're actually a long line of Wideners. There's a Widener College in mm-hmm. New Jersey that's named after them. Not, there's a Widener building on the Penn campus, I believe. Yes. And this building, the Widener building, which was originally a department store building, um, was built and named after the Widener family. And nobody really knows anything about the Wideners except that their name is on a bunch of stuff because of the philanthropy. But the one thing I learned about the Widener family and the patriarch of the Widener family was that he died on the Titanic. 
cool. and like that's what I think about in the grand scheme of of like right. thinking about legacy. Yeah, thinking about as much as you do that you think is great in the moment or that people care about or yes. like grabs a headline here or there in a contemporary sense. When two hundred years go by and somebody say, "Oh, have you heard of so and so Widener?" Built an empire, put you right. know, donated tons of money all over the place, did all these things economically. But if you Google that person, the top ten results that show up are the registry of people that died on the Titanic because wow. it's, it's so rare really? and it's such an exceptional thing. Yeah. That's super interesting. Uh, and that's, but I guess it's probably the combination, right? It's like the fact that he's so famous and also died on the Titanic. Yeah, I think well that that forces the comparison, right? It's right. Like people that just died on the Titanic, it's like obviously the Titanic's the most meaningful thing, but it's right. like, even in a world where you become the equivalent of what would be a modern billionaire mm-hmm. uh, industrialist. Right, it's a combination of two statistically unlikely yeah, things. Yeah. The, the most important yeah, and that, the fact that your your death circumstances were the ones mm-hmm. that actually are we're more persisting. Un- yeah, yeah, right. Uh, is, is and also more persistent. unlikely. Like and, and more unlikely, right? Yeah, yeah like more great. more billionaires came out of that era than people right. died, <laughs> died on the Titanic. Yeah, probably more at least more old money. Uh, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, and a lot of that old money was on the Titanic. Right. Um, Super surprising. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Um, well, that was a great answer to the first of these many questions. <laughs> who's your best friend? Uh, that's impossible. Um, who is my best friend? I guess my oldest, closest friend is Brian Cooper Smith. Brian Cooper Smith. Brian Cooper Smith. Lived uh, a house away from me mm-hmm. growing up. Um, we were both just like come from the same kind of cloth. Uh-huh. Uh, grew up together. Our moms were friends, uh, like, you know, close family relations. We spend Thanksgiving with their family every year. Mm-hmm. Um, he works at Google now. Oh, cool. Smart. In uh, New York or Cali? In New York, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, dropped out of a PhD in physics program because uh, he was like, uh, I mean, he was killing that program and like just destroying it. And then he was like, yeah, I'm going to go work for Google instead. Wow. Um, yeah. Bright dude, a valedictorian of our class. Um, probably currently my best friend is uh, myself. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> it's so uh, hard. Everyone grapples with this question. But yeah, it's really interesting. I would say that he's my my oldest closest friend who yeah. I can pick up with. Like you know, no problem. I go home, I see them. Like uh-huh. there's there's no like catching up. There's just like jokes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, I have a lot of very very close friends. Sure. Uh. uh one of the ways that you become a guest on this podcast is that you are my buddy for RJ Metrics Buddy Time. Mm. Automatic entry. The other way, and right. the way that this podcast came to be, is that uh, someone who's on the podcast says that you are the guest that uh, they would like to see the most or hear the most. Uh, uh, so my question for you is, if you could hear a podcast with anybody at RJ Metrics, who would it be? Oh, uh, that's messed up. If I could hear a podcast, let me scroll through the, uh, the About Us page. Who have you? Who, who are all the people you've podcasted? So uh, wow, uh, Nate G, Leah Ard, um, David Williams. Did Aaron Ogilvie last week? Um, oh man, I'm I'm in I'm actively offending uh, someone that I've left out here. Uh, it ha- there really haven't been a lot of people from the engineering team to be honest. Jake interviewed Chris Merrick. Uh, uh, that's a good one. That's what Alex Clear yeah. interviewed Xiao. That hasn't right. been released yet, but might might come out before this one. Yeah. Interesting. Engineering is not well represented yet. I, you know, I, I could pick somebody from engineering, actually, who I would really, really love to hear. Oh, there's, there's quite a few people. But I, you know who I would really like to hear their, like, podcast yeah. is Buck. 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 I would really love to hear that. Uh, so you, now you're going to podcast him? Uh, yeah, he gets in the queue. He's in the queue. Right, yeah, I mean... Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> apologies. All apologies to Buck. <laughs> what, uh, 
what should I ask Buck about? That's oh, not obvious. Man. That's a good question. I guess what would I want to ask him, but I yeah. don't ask him, but I should. Um how he has like derived his like value system around like engineering in general. Uh, yeah. Um, and maybe in life. Yeah. Because they're sort of tied. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think they're tied. I think if you sleep at night, they're tied. They are. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, great question. Value (laughs) systems. Um, okay, cool. Uh, we all have this experience sometimes where you pull your phone out of your pocket and you've launched some app before you even know that you right. launch it. Like your your muscle reflexes uh, take over your brain's actual intent. Yes. And that tends to be your number one dopamine rush, time waster nice, uh, right. app. And I'm wondering what that is for you. Oh, for me, it's definitely Facebook. Facebook. Uh, yeah, it's super easy. Um, I don't. I'm not because I would say that um, I'm not very good with uh, like apps on social media. Like just like. In tech in general, like people are pretty like they're like they're into like interacting with like uh, technology. Yep. But, like I'm I'm not like I'm just a very late adopter of like apps. Like I just don't use them. Uh-huh. And even if I like do get into it, like I barely use them. And Facebook is just one that I've had for so long yeah. that it's just such a like natural part of me. Like other things are for other people, like uh-huh. Instagram or Snapchat or whatever, um, or Twitter, which is. Hugely popular. I wish I got into it ever. Yeah. But like, I just never will. I just know I never will. <laughs> uh, uh, but actually, like, really, realistically, yeah. If I'm if I'm like in a line and I to pull out my phone, I will hit um, Facebook first, mm-hmm. and then I'll go to Google and like check a, like a news site out. And just be, I, I get that answer so much, and that always blows my mind. Like, really? So you you open up a web browser and you just type in like Boxer, CNN.com or Voxer. Yeah, or, uh, Boxer. Yeah. Um, I say Hacker News a lot uh-huh. because Hacker News is sort of like I like that it's a feed, yeah. And that like I can click on a, a see an article that I think is interesting, click on the comments, uh-huh. and get a very quick understanding of the idea of what's happening, yeah. And like that's great content, like that's easy content right mm-hmm. there. Um, I used to be big into Reddit, yeah. Uh, that was my number one. That was like the app, right? Like, so for sure. I just went through this experience. I deleted yeah. Alien Blue from my phone nice. two weeks ago yeah. because it was like a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all the things that I used to do that would make me better and smarter uh, in my yes. intellectual cycles downtime had just gotten consumed by the never-ending firehose of Reddit. Yeah. Uh, was it's that absurd. your experience? Is that why you stopped? <laughs> yeah, no. I, like, yeah, one, it's like, it is the biggest time suck. Like, yeah. Reddit will kill hours. Were you a lurker or did you actually oh, participate? Oh, lurker, totally. Yeah, I yeah. never participated. Me too. Um, love content, do not like generating content. Yeah. Um, but I didn't stop because of that. I think it just happened one day. Mm-hmm. Like, I started reading Hacker News. Yeah. I thought it was a little bit more interesting. But it wasn't as accessible to me. And so, like, I would do it less, but try to think about doing that first. Oh. And so I just stopped. Like, I have anything blue on my phone right now. I just yeah. don't ever use it. Wow. Um, and I just got out of the habit. I just, like, kicked it. Um, which is also why I kind of like Facebook. Because Facebook is super easy to open. But it's also super easy to close. Like, mm-hmm. I can get bored of Facebook immediately, yeah. too. And, like, that is, like, done. I'm, like, in there. I'm out of there. But Reddit is not easy to close. Because there's always yeah. another interesting headline. <laughs> Yeah, and you want to, even if the headline's not interesting, you want to read the comment about mm-hmm. 
the, what's the quickest way that someone can say this is not interesting? Exactly. Yeah. There is yeah. so much great uh, pith on yeah. Reddit. It's unreal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I've, I've removed myself from it. Yeah. Which it feels weird. Uh, like, cause it's, it's such like a high mind, like effect where like, you, like you're just thinking about stuff that everybody on Reddit is thinking about at the same yeah. time that they're thinking about it. But now I've escaped. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Rohan Shah. We did yeah. a good thing here today. Yeah. I, uh, I can't wait to hear this again. <laughs> you can't wait to listen to yourself talking about yourself. Uh, for, uh, I'm going to be mortified. There's a lot of things I'm not excited for. One <laughs> is me talking at a mile a minute. Uh, I know I'm going to listen to this and be like, how? You're, this is going to be the only podcast that Overcast slows down instead of speaking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be terrible. Um, also, hear my voice, which always blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then all the ridiculous things I said. Uh, as answers to the simplest questions, I could have answered in like two two words, uh, but didn't. So I'm super excited for it. Me too. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, thanks. And, uh, let's go There's fix four beers in order of uh, honor of Steph Luke. Yeah. Oh yeah. True. Totally. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, all right. Thank you. Uh, bye, RJ Metrics. Bye, RJ.